makes all of his movies really weird and in Baltimore, just like The Shape of Water being in Baltimore. Huh. Well, isn't that a beautiful segue? And welcome to the <laughs> Down in Front Podcast, the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. I am your beautiful host, Warren, and with me I have my glorious, glorious host of the Fear Boners section of our podcast, Andrew Abbott. How's it going, man? Good, good. It's going well. It's going well. Hello, dear listeners, and thank you for tuning in. How are you, Warren? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. I think you're the only person to ask how I'm doing besides just kind of glazing over that, so uh, I appreciate that <laughs> a lot. Um, and tonight we're real friends. We are real friends. Sorry, Jesse, Josh, Guillermo, Mike, Mike, Brylan. Derek and, Derek's a good dude. I don't think I missed anybody. <laughs> they, they, they are all They're on, He's yeah. on your nice list. Everybody else is on your naughty list. You know me well, my friend. You know me well. Uh, tonight, it's just going to be me and Abbott. Uh, what we're going to be doing is that we know that holidays are coming up, are already here. Uh, Star Wars is a huge hit. I mean, it's going to be like literally in theaters all the time. But what we've been trying to do is take a look and like watch these other movies and these other things that are out there um, and still kind of give you and provide you that content as much as possible because I am on vacation, which is amazing. Yeah, we're both on vacation. So that's, amazing. so that's amazing. So we're uh, pretty excited and uh, pumped about that. And we're going to give you uh, you know, a, a small review of The Shape of Water, um, directed by Guillermo de Toro. And you know, it stars you know, Octavia... Uh, Octavia... Spencer? Spencer, thank you. O- Octavia Spencer? Is that her name? I think so. Okay. Um, Octavia, oh yeah, Octavia Spencer, Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon come out out of nowhere, which is awesome. So I'm excited. Uh, I love Doug Jones. Doug Jones, yeah. Uh, Richard Jenkins also has been in a lot of stuff. So I mean, the cast of this is quite powerful, um, and I'm excited <clears throat> to kind of explore this movie because I, I didn't he really hear too much about it at all. Besides the podcast that I listen to, I always stop and like fast forward. Um, but I know that I've seen a lot of his work, so uh, I'm, I'm excited to get your take on it. But uh, but before we get into that, before we get into like the spoiler section and all the other good stuff, what you uh, what you been watching and uh, what you drinking? Yeah, yeah, uh, I've been watching. Uh, I just watched Jean Claude Van Johnson, uh, which is a new one that popped up on Amazon Prime. It's a quick seven episode watch. Um, it was part of the uh, uh, pilot season contest, and it lost to The Tick. But I enjoyed this one. A little bit more than the tick um you know it's it's kind of uh, a funny action show um which is great for uh big fans of his career like me i watched all of his movies growing up john claude van damme um, but it's even accessible to folks who haven't seen it um and we might actually take an opportunity to do an episode specifically on that show um in the future um in addition to that i finally got a chance to watch a movie called society uh, which was done by brian yunza the gentleman who did some of the reanimator movies um, and I love those movies, and I've been wanting to watch this one. It's this really weird, goopy, bizarre, violent, sexual, strange body horror movie from uh, the late 80s, early 90s. 
Um, and I'm not going to get into it too much, but if that sounds like it's up your alley, definitely look for it. I believe it's also available on Amazon Prime currently, so if you look for it, it should be up there. Um, and currently I'm drinking cold medicine by Ooh. the bottle because I am getting over a cold. <laughs> and you can't mix that with any alcohol, so I'm trying to be careful. I've seen you have some of that eggnog, don't lie. <laughs> eggnog flavored cough medicine my friend oh that sounds, that sounds awful yeah i really enjoyed the uh like i just really enjoy a lot of the amazon content that's been coming out <clears throat> although you know me and brylin previously we had talked about you know the tick uh and john claude van johnson last year during the pilot season and both of them came out this year and both of those shows are just absolutely solid, but they're very two different shows. I know The Tick goes a, a bit more of a serious approach. What happens when PTSD and things like that, whereas this is, a, uh, like, this show is just hilarious. It comes about out of nowhere, and I didn't realize how much he talks about, like, his universe that he made, you know? Uh, and there's like, some movies he's kind of bringing up. And uh, I just found myself just having a lot of fun with it. Like, especially there's, we, we got a lot of content that's out there. We have a lot of, like, shows that are just kind of funny but kind of fall off. And I think they really didn't take themselves seriously. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to kind of, like, really explore that show with you uh, also. So uh, I'm pretty pumped about that. So, cool. Well, What about you, sir? What have you been watching? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Uh <laughs> I have been watching a bunch of things. Uh, I, I got a chance to uh, rewatch this uh, a movie called Crybaby featuring Johnny Depp and Ricky Lake. Um, I thought I watched the movie. I thought it definitely felt familiar, but I wasn't sure if it felt familiar because it was like a, you know alternate uh, bizarro universe of Greece, uh, but a little bit more like adult theme, like humor, like crude humor. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny, but I actually really enjoy a lot of the music in this actual movie. This movie's like back in the 90s, but... <clears throat> I think I actually enjoy some of the songs that they have in this movie more than I enjoy in Greece, and that's like the the best sort of like um, uh, comparison to kind of make from that. Uh, so that was fun. You should look up his other his other movies, John Waters. If I, you like Crybaby, you should look up his other movies. I think I may have seen some because that director, his face looks very familiar. Um, so I'll definitely I'll definitely take a look and look at his discography or his videography. Whatever that is. I'll look up his works. There we go. Uh, <laughs> because I was like looking at it. I was like, man, this feels kind of familiar. So I'm wondering if I look up some of his stuff and see what I got. Um, the other movie, that, like the other thing I've been uh, catching up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I know that this season has been to a great start. And I know a lot of people kind of stopped watching it previously. But it's back on the up and up, I think. Um, you know, even for the only, I think like maybe four or five episodes in so far. But it's it's been pretty solid, and it's not cheesy, it's not corny, and I think they've done a lot of smart things so that it doesn't trip themselves over all the other stuff that Marvel's coming out with, especially from the whole purchasing. Like, I mean, like Marvel's going crazy, and like Disney's going crazy right now. Um, so I think they've done a lot of smart choices just to keep this their own thing. Um, so I, I'm, I'm enjoying that week by week, but then the biggest thing uh, I have seen was called Ladybird. And I went to uh, went to watch this, and it was beautiful because there were three people in theater, so everybody was at Star Wars, and nobody watching the other movies. So, as a tidbit, if you ever want to watch these movies by yourself and nobody like interrupting or whatever, always go on like a Star Wars launch weekend. It's amazing. Um, so that, I think that was pretty cool. But uh, this movie was awesome. Uh, it really explores like relationships as well as you know this little girl going through high school like approaching senior year and like what she's going to do after that and everybody in this town saying that she's basically not good enough she, she might she might as well go to college but she's like you know 
I'm not going to settle for something like that. And it really does explore, like, you know, what happens when, you know, you find cool kids or you find this guy that you like or you find this person that you like and, you know, bouncing back and forth, really trying to find your your own identity. And I think it really kind of, like, speaks a lot with, like, people growing up and, like, people getting older. My birthday's this year. so My birthday's this weekend. So I think it's kind of funny <laughs> of just kind of thinking. Of course it's this year, right? Uh, my birthday's this century. So there you go. Uh, so I thought, I mean, I thought it was a very important movie, uh, especially between the part of the mom uh, and the and the daughter. And the daughter's name's Christine, but she goes by Ladybird just because she just gave she gave herself that name. Uh, and I think that was awesome. So uh, it was it was a really cool movie. I really I think this movie was trending at like about a hundred percent for the longest times in Rotten Tomatoes. And I think some people actively went there just to vote it down so it wouldn't be a hundred percent for a while. But if you have some time. Um, you know, I don't think you need to watch this movie in theaters, but just if you need to support the artist, feel free. But this movie is like awesome. It's still in theaters. I think it's going to be for probably maybe another week or so before all the other like holiday movies kick it out. But once you get a chance to kind of watch this movie, you should watch it. I think it's really important. And even from the start of the movie, how it just kind of starts and goes and starts and goes, it just feels natural. Um, so that was kind of Ladybird. And that was pretty cool. Currently, I am drinking a Seven Moons Red Blend from California. Uh, the design on the bottle is awesome. Um, hashtag sip to that for Friends with Blends. We reviewed this, and it's quite nice. So thank you, Megan, for that um, recommendation. And I'm also drinking our trusty, soon-to-be hopeful sponsor, is Arizona Iced Tea. Uh, and I have the... Uh, the price is on the can. The price is on the can. Actually, this was 50 cents today. So price Ooh. maybe wasn't on the can. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, who knows? Uh, but this is the lemonade with strawberry. Just fill me with all that sugar, please. That's that's all I want. Uh, but it's, uh, it's delicious. So those are two things that I have been sipping on and I am drinking. So we're pumped. I mean, I guess we will say, you know, let's actually kind of get into the actual review. I'm going to toss it over to Abbott and say, you know, just give me a couple of thoughts of, you know, did you watch the trailer when you went into this movie? When you saw this movie? Like, what were some initial thoughts before we get into the spoiler sections of... Um, Shape of Water. Yeah, no, uh, going into this, I mean, I uh, follow most of these people on social media, so I knew it was coming. Um, and like I mentioned previously, uh, when I was at New York Comic Con, I walked accidentally into the signing with Doug Jones, where he was there, and he was the nicest human being in the world, and he was all about telling us about his movie, and they were playing the trailer, so there was no way for me not to spoil this, but um, I love uh, Guillermo del Toro's films. Um, so I, there was no way that I wasn't going to see this, and I'm glad that we're getting a chance to review it. So I was super pumped about it. Nice. Yeah, uh, of course, as everybody know, I don't watch trailers. I don't watch any of this stuff. The only time I actually heard anything about this is when I was listening to a podcast, and uh, I was listening to the Slash Filmcast, and uh, one of the hosts on there talks about, oh, I'm excited for this movie, Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro, and I stopped the podcast, and I was like, nope, can't do it. I, I don't want to hear anything about it. Um, and I literally went in as blind as I could be. I think at one point, uh, I may have, the only thing I did see was, uh, uh, the two characters, Eliza and Zelda, they were standing like in the middle of a section. I saw like a screenshot of it or something. Um, but that was like the only thing that gave it away, but like really going into it is completely blind. So I was excited and, you know, after coming out from it, um, I was also like very glad. I don't know if this is a movie that... We can like there's spoilers, right? Like there's some things that you can definitely kind of spoil, but 
Yeah. It's, still, it's like an enjoyable experience and, you know, coming from the director of Hellboy and of, you know, Pan's Labyrinth, like, there's some things that you probably don't want to necessarily kind of show people or talk to people about until they've seen it. Um, so I, d- I just don't know if it's uh, a movie that can be spoiled, but at the same time, just shut up. Just don't talk about it until people watch the movie. Well, even going back to the fact that, like, social media kind of got this movie all up in my face, it wasn't, like, hugely promoted, but, for example, like, I follow all these people, but also... One of my favorite artists, James Jean, did the art for the movie poster. Oh, cool. like the beautiful movie poster. Yeah, if you ever, if you like that art, check out his other art. He's kind of, he's kind of like a big um, um, fine artist. Uh, he works for like fashion design companies and things like that. But the poster that he made for the movie is absolutely gorgeous, just like the movie. Cool. All right. Well, I mean, I'm excited to talk about some stuff. So let's unpack this movie. We're gonna give you a quick intermission. We're gonna talk about it when we come back. We're gonna be talking about the entire spoiler sections of. Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. So we'll see you in a second. And we are back. We are the Down in Front Podcast. Me and Abbott kind of hanging out. We're going to go in and unpack The Shape of Water. Uh, and I'm going to toss it over to Abbott and talk to me about this movie and uh, what's some uh, some things that you really like and you really dug about it. Yeah, um, I mean, I can't stress enough, uh, Guillermo del Toro is probably my favorite director out there. Um, just the fact that he pretty much starts everything in his sketchbook. Like, he gets an idea and he draws from that and he builds it up. And his love of um, genre movies and horror movies and things very much overlap with a lot of my interests. Um, so his visual nature is very attuned to mine. The fact that most of his movies have this signature sort of, like orange amber blue green lighting like an old-fashioned horror movie like very harsh but also at the same time it makes the film seem very painterly um everything's very purposeful and uh put together in a way where the cinematography is also very evidently carefully crafted um and it's all wrapped around a movie with a fish guy in it so it's like it's taken very seriously for a movie that is very serious but also very enjoyable um, the characters are, you know, you either love them or you hate them. You can tell like, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. It's very plain slate presented in front of you. And you can kind of see if you've seen any of his other movies, you kind of know what to expect, but it's not a bad thing. It's kind of like, okay, well, you know, things will work out in a way that they do and things will for the most part be resolved, but I'm going to be happy for the characters, but there's going to be uh, also a fair amount of sadness. Like these movies make you feel something. Um, And at the same time you're sitting there, you're like, why? I never thought I'd feel this way for an amphibious fish monster guy. And, you know, it's a very emotive film considering that the two characters can't really speak. Um, And I love that too. Um, And I think just all these things together, the setting also 1960s Baltimore dealing with lots of different um, tensions there, race tensions, um, that was a great. That was such a great. Like that was such a kind of great one. But besides kind of the race stuff, but just like the tensions of like the modern society and like the working world, and even to the point where I don't know if you mentioned yet, but like how art, you know, and how painting and how everything's being kind of transitioned to being digital, and nobody kind of paints or draws anymore or anything. And we see that from the Giles character of. Everything's kind of in this weird kind of loophole strain. I mean, that weird sort of section of tr- kind of transition, and I think it re- he really got a chance to kind of kind of speak to that a little bit, just from just some of the other period or the pieces that we've seen in that time frame. 
Yeah, just the fact, yeah, going back to the fact that he's a very capable artist, and you see this in his work and his studio and how he sets up, but you sort of get this vibe that he's sort of, he's taken for granted and he's also kind of dismissed because he's a homosexual, and it's like, well, like, why? Oh, it's the 60s and people don't understand and people aren't cool as they are nowadays, even though things nowadays are also kind of weird, but leaps and bounds better than they were. But looking back at that, you know, every character in their own way is labeled a freak. Like, even the bad guy has that weird fetish where he only likes having sex with women who are absolutely silent. When that became a thing, that was one of the most terrifying reveals in the movie for me because it was like, oh, shit, you know, there's going to be a very uncomfortable scene where he approaches Eliza, and I do not want that to happen. And when it did, it was just like, oh, God, oh, what's going to happen? Like, he just deftly maneuvers these characters in ways where they interact and they interlace like a puzzle. Like, in my mind, Guillermo del Toro has this puzzle, and he puts everything on this timeline in a way where it's like, okay, well, here's this character, here's these things, here's these challenges they have to face, but here's these hurdles that they have to get through and get across to get to where they want to be. Yeah. And even though, like, I can assume how a Guillermo del Toro movie is going to either end or resolve, I still am kind of worried it'll go, like, I'm worried for the day when he's just like, okay, here's my movie, and then it just takes a sharp left, and you're just like, oh my god, like, what just happened? <laughs> um, so there's still that that excitement on the film. So even when I when I discussed it in the, um, the, the video teaser that it was sort of uh, predictable, like, that doesn't bother me with his movies. They're still incredibly enjoyable, and I love the hell out of this movie. Yeah, I really love that fact, because the actor you had mentioned was Michael Shannon, and I, like... Michael Shannon is that dude is a great actor and I think it took me some time like this the role that he has in here really reminded me of his, his role in Bug. Have you seen that one? I know you probably No, know. I wanted to see that one. I like he was he it took me a while to warm up to him as his general Zod, but his Zod is actually really good too. Like he's a good villain. I mean, he's a good, he's a great actor and I think he's been stepping in a lot of different roles, but he also does this particular role and I think he's probably a better villain just because he has this demeanor that's like very stoic but very creepy. Uh, and it may be because like either the color of his eyes or some way that he kind of presents himself is just like, man, you just give off a creepy vibe. But I know he's doing that like kind of on purpose. Um, so I, I think it's also going to be kind of interesting just to see here. Like he really, he really kind of like. Um, kind of went into and kind of made that character even when like his fingers getting kind of bit off and he kind of put that on and he just kind of just deal yeah. like just dealing with that and I, I like how you know i'm going to get into that a little bit later of you know what that represent and you know that even to the fact that he has these little small candies and what that represents and uh, all these things that were just kind of just smattering all over the place like he th- like his performance here i'll be surprised if Nobody, not many people, or this movie didn't doesn't get like a nomination for some Golden Globes or something, um, because I think yeah, everybody it's already on, the, on some club. some smaller like sci-fi awards and things like that. Good, um, but yeah, no, that's a good point. I almost forgot about his fingers. Like Guillermo del Toro has like this thing, like a theme layered in with um, either losing limbs or some sort of debilitating injury, either for like the hero or the villain, and it's always in there somewhere. So that when I saw like him fly out of the room, like clutching his hand and like the scene where they find the fingers. I was like, Oh God, that's going to be weird. And then when you, 
oh, they're stapled to his hand. And you're like, but that's the 60s. Like, medicine probably didn't have a great, like, workaround for reattaching. And it just became this whole thing where that was, you were worried for him because you're like, he's an asshole, but his fingers are turning black. And then people start to tell you they stink. And it's like, maybe his... Maybe his disembodied fingers stink, but maybe he just stinks because he's such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a, just a shitty person. Like, it's so like it's such like grotesque grossness in this film that's so beautiful that it's just like right there. You're kind of happy it's happening to him, but also you could almost internalize it. You're like, oh well, shit. Like, what if that was me? You know, like even though he's the bad guy, you kind of identify with him because you're like, I could, you know, I could have an accident where I lose my fingers. Like, oh god, like. Oh, well, <laughs> it weirds me out every time. I guess the other thing that, you know, you mentioned something that I think that was actually a very powerful one is, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in this movie that these people, these, you know, four or five main characters were very OK with, you know, Eliza, Zelda, um, Richard, which is Michael Shannon's character, uh, Giles and Dr. Hofstetler. Hoff, what was his name? Hofstetler. Hofstetler. Yeah. Yeah. The, there was a lot of things that happened in this movie that would probably freak a lot of people out. Or there's a lot of things that he introduced in this movie that probably would kind of gross people out. But he really tried to kind of set a particular tone. Like even in the beginning, like the like the one of the opening sequences that we see with Eliza, like you see her like masturbating in the bathtub. I was like, I think that, I thought oh, that was yeah. kind of random, but it was it, it wasn't to the point where it's like no, but this is the kind of movie like these things are kind of normal. So these normal things are happening. So you have to get comfortable with it because when somebody gets their two fingers bit off, you're going to see somebody else just pick them up casually and put them in a freaking lunch bag. It was like, this is all I got. <laughs> and so you have like that weird, dark, comedic moment. But, you know, this day and age, if somebody's fingers are bit off and they're, st they're sitting right over there, everybody will be freaking out because that doesn't happen, right? But yeah. also you, you're, you're uh, expected to be in this movie of, oh, so this is – okay, this is not normal, and these people clearly are not normal also. So you have to then accept what's happening, you know, and especially the, the communication piece. And, you know, you also have, like, the Russian sort of sub subplot kind of sidelines and that shit kind of happening, which is all over the place of, man, these people who are doing a lot of kind of crazy sort of things, that it, it, it's it's their particular kind of normal for, like, the, the, the job they kind of signed up for. So I thought that was... Uh, a pretty cool moment it's a pretty cool way to see that yeah he fits a lot of stuff in there and like kind of kind of going back uh you know realizing talking through this he sort of uses these extremes like the losing of fingers or like the the disabilities or the the you know the bizarro side plot with russian spies during the cold war it's like it weirdly humanizes these characters too like even the fishman has these human moments where he finds out like what eggs are and stuff and but like the scene that sticks out in my mind is the one where the, the, the one doctor is talking to the Russian spies, but like they come in while he's getting dressed and he's just standing there in his underwear. And like, it's very threatening because he's afraid they're going to kill him. So he has to like smuggle a knife and he's holding it behind his like yeah. <laughs> his butt. And you're just like, man, this guy's, you know, he like you're sort of, he you don't know whether or not root for him or not. Yeah. yeah. He just, like he serves he's, him like it's a completely normal <laughs> thing to do. And I'm like, <laughs> that's, like yeah. that, 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 he served some awesome. cake so he could have access to a knife. Oh, and then the the thug is like, "Oh, do you have milk though?" Yeah, I mean, I just think it, like that. These moments happen so many times that it's 
you know, supposed to be, they're basically kind of normal in this sort of universe. And I, I, I was always like just taken aback. And um, I also, I, I very much enjoyed it because it wasn't like, uh, it had to be kind of halted, like different things, kind of strange things happen all the time. And uh, especially if we're in this particular kind of environment when they're doing secret stuff, you know, that's going to happen. So anything else? Uh, no, that was that uh, rounds about my list of uh, wins. What do you got, Warren? Yeah, there. I had a lot, um, and but I'll try to kind of keep it like in bullet points. Points, uh, but like there was, you know, I I was definitely kind of looking in this movie of you know there is a there's a lot of stuff here, and I don't think I'll be able to kind of wrap my head around all the. I, I won't be able to kind of appreciate anything and everything. So I had to like really make myself a list while I was watching it. Um, you know, the importance of green. I I think that was kind of interesting and similar because you know you have the greens and blues and the entire color palette that was used with the water. And how we started underwater, you can see Eliza kind of floating up and then like goes down because if she kind of starts her day. Um, but then you got, you know, the green candy that's being used and you have the green, uh, you, you know, when Giles goes and like paints like this, literally the red jello that's supposed to bring a family together, bring it happy. You know, some of the feedback he gets on the artwork was like, you got to make it green. Uh, and I was just like, oh, that's that's kind of weird. Of like Eliza's dress in, in this one here, her, her the color of her dress was kind of green, and j like even like the the amphibious man, he was also kind of green. And there was just a lot of that being used. And sometimes it was in like a negative connotation. Sometimes it was in a positive light. But I I like it throughout the entire movie. Of it really kind of shows. Um, especially, especially for Michael Shannon's character, like that was a creepy scene of he's always eating these candies. Is if like that was like his kind of thing, his shtick. Um, so I, I like I like that element in the actual kind of movie too. I think that was pr pretty cool. I think we you also kind of mentioned this before of you know the sense of kind of alienation uh, due to the inability to connect or communicate, and you have these people who are just outright different. You 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 talked about this also as well as like being freaks of you know Eliza. Something happened to her that she. You know, she can't speak, so she signs all the time. You have this amphibious man that he got captured. Something happens to him, so he clearly he, he doesn't speak English. But then you have on other realms, you have uh, Zelda, who's a black woman, and who still kind of speaks up and kind of talking up and like has like some sort of power, like, like some role that she's like at least kind of higher up. But you have her, in which case she's still being alienated by Michael Shannon's character, even for the fact of why her name is kind of Zelda, and you, you kind of see that aspect of it. And you have Giles' character, who's an, who's an artist, and that's arguably in this time it, it, this time and age, like, he just lost his job, and, like, he, he doesn't have kind of anything. But at the same time, he's also a homosexual, and he's trying to kind of term, come to terms with that. He's not, like, straying away from it. He's fully embraced it. He's like, well, he, he went out, and he kind of did that. And you have these kind of core characters that are... Um, just being alienated because they just don't have the other people. Even when Zelda has, you know, her husband, she talks about him. He's not even doing anything. He's not even. She's not even. He's not even basically there. And then you have the doctor who is a. He's a Russian spy implanted in here who's really just trying to save life, and he's trying to keep things sacred as much as possible. And this is like at least what I kind of picked up from it of. He's trying to kind of keep this as something that he wants to study, 
uh, something he wants to kind of set free. Like they, he, you don't want to kill something that's so beautiful, kind of natural. And that, in that date, like in that time, in this movie, set it up. Up, they don't really give a shit. They just want to make sure that Americas and Russians against each other, that nobody gets the um, military advantage at all. And that's it. And so he's an alien because he doesn't feel like anybody else is kind of on his side. Um, so I was really kind of building the parallels between those characters. I, I really kind of enjoyed um, that. Um, you know, another thing is this, the, the symbolism of food. I think we talked about, you know, the fact that he, he was eating eggs. And I think that the eggs is where it kind of starts in the building kind of creations. You can see as it's going, as it's going through, Eliza kind of serves eggs to Giles. And that was kind of a normal thing. But as their relationship between Eliza and the amphibian man, like, goes... He was eating more eggs, and that just becomes, like, a more a more thing that they're doing, whether it's listening to music, whether it's signing together. Like, she was just also kind of teaching him how to actually kind of speak. Like, I like the fact that food in this movie was used to to a degree, because you have the green candies, you have the eggs, uh, the, uh, the other food that we're talking about, even to the point where he's, like, eating the cat. And I think it was kind of funny when somebody mentioned that, oh, the, the people thought that they were gods... And it's like, well, they they had cats. <laughs> I thought that joke was kind of pretty cool. Uh, so I kind of like that. Uh, and I mean, so I would say like the, the last thing that I really enjoyed about this movie was the, the score. And I've never been so excited since my conversations I've been having with Derek and uh, Mike Blewett about like these composers. And I'm really trying to kind of really go into this world. Going into this movie again, I was completely blind. But when I see like... Alexander Desplat's name pop up. I was like, "Well, I didn't know he was doing this movie." And I literally just—I just had—I just had watched like *Imitation Game* like earlier. Um, and you know, we talk about I watch like I watch *The Arrival* a lot, and I listen to that movie a lot too. And the scores that he had were just absolutely phenomenal. And I think this score was a bit of a mashup between a couple different ones. I got a lot of French themes in here as well as you know, we got like a weird. Wes Anderson mode, but it was also a very, it was a very fun kind of upbeat, but very like engaging sort of score. Um, and you know, I would tell people like, you know, I guess for right now you may not be able to listen to the score because if you see like some of the titles of the actual songs, it's a bit of a spoiler. But that was pretty cool. I really liked a lot of the music uh, in this uh, in this movie and just like locations that they necessarily used and the use of music as well, like being able to see Eliza. Because I was believing that she was, like, she potentially could be, like, mute. Like, maybe she was mute in real life. I don't know. Uh, but seeing her sing and use that actual kind of uh, musical theater, like, what the, all the stuff that she's been watching, you see her dancing and, like, using the arts and, like, to express herself in all these other ways. Like, she doesn't need to speak. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't even have the ability to speak. Like, she's expressing and communicating in so many other different ways and channels. And I thought that was... Uh, that was very powerful and a very great way just to show how nonverbal communication could be just as effective, especially in the movie. So, yeah. So those are a couple of my wins. I'm sure that we're probably going to be talking about some other things in the actual kind of movie. Um, but let's also kind of just get into like maybe I know that you know just like any in every other movie, like not everything's kind of perfect. Uh, so, Abbott, what are some things that you just didn't didn't quite work for you for Shape of Water? Yeah, like I said before, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I really loved this movie, and um, it met my expectations and exceeded them, but there were some things, and maybe it's a little nitpicky, um, but kind of going into what I was saying before, for me, Del Toro, uh, his movies are sort of what you see is what you get. 
Um, you're presented with characters and it kind of goes along like a book in a way where it's almost like a picture book. It's a storybook that you can kind of guess what's going to be on the next page. You can assume how it's going to end and how it's going to wrap up, but you're introduced to all these like secondary and tertiary characters that sort of fluff the sides a bit. Um, but for me, it was sort of like, I knew what was going to happen next. Um, but I still, I still enjoyed it. You know, it didn't, it didn't really bother me. What bothered me more was that, um, it almost felt like, uh, he did sort of take the character that he created in the Hellboy movie that was different from the original content, the ape sapien character who loved eggs, um, and was also a bit of an empath and sort of was like, well, I'm not making these movies anymore, but I had more stories that I wanted to tell with this particular monster. Even though he couldn't talk, he was very similar um, to the Abe Sapien character. Um, in addition to that, um, uh, there were some things for me that were sort of glaring plot holes, um, including we never really got any resolution as to why uh, Eliza was dumped uh, by the river as a baby. Um you know, it was sort of a hook the whole time that it was going to become a thing. And like towards the end when, you know, her, her gills are activated and, you know, you assume she becomes like a fish person. It's like, okay, but like, why did she still lose her voice? Or like, why did someone scratch her that way? As a Like maybe it was going to be like, there's, I feel like there could have been something clever revealed there. Yeah. Um, but also combined with that, the fact that it is revealed essentially that the fishman is a god like that was sort of a cool reveal for me is like oh he's seen as a god and like you have these things that sort of prove like yes he's he's invincible he's invulnerable he's sort of omni powerful um you know he touches giles head and the next day his hair starts to grow back and he's sort of cured of not only like his hair loss but also sort of like his his doubts in a way like he's much more he's much more forward he's much more confident and he's got his hair back and it's all like this symbol of his his change and also the fishman's powers but then you know these very intimate love scenes that he has with eliza and you're sort of cued to the to the idea that his powers activate when he touches people or his powers activate when those lights the incandescent lights sort of line his body mm -hmm. um when they have the second big love scene when she floods the room and they're kind of floating and it's very beautiful and he has her this embrace like full body embrace is that scene where we realize that she sort of is kind of getting her voice back. Like I would have assumed from that because they went all the way and they had such full on contact that him as a God could have given her voice back. Like that's what I would have liked to see is maybe her have this moment beyond the one that she had with Michael Shannon's character where she signed fuck you to him, which yeah. was great. Yeah. I think okay. it would have been great if she had this reveal where it's like, well, you know, she said it like her voice actually comes back full effect because she has this love with the God and, I think that might have been more successful for me if there was this reveal where she is cured. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I was. I was also hoping that I, you know, even going off of a couple of those points of if she was going to be revealed that she was also like a, a fish, an amphibious woman, maybe, and somehow like some sort of like weird sort of like interbreed or something like that, and that potentially is why she had the scratches like these are just some of the things that she was just maybe like a different being that we just didn't yeah. kind of know you know and that's you know it, it makes sense why the contact that she had with his healing ability didn't work because that she was just who she was like she wasn't supposed to speak right but because of something happened she at least had some whispers or things like that um, so I, I mean I, I looked at that I look at that point I was like oh, I mean I think that was kind of okay like I can look I can overlook that you know but besides yeah. the, the other points of it but like 
the, the you, you kind of mentioned it, but like flooding the room was like, I don't know, like that that was not like work at all. But it was it was great to see, and I, and I love anything to do with kind of suspending suspension in water in a in a confined sort of space. I thought that was pretty cool, just at least to see. But I know everything in that like everything in that like rickety house would probably get destroyed. And yeah, that would have like the like, floor would have fallen out. It would have wrecked the movie theater. Sure. Like, and e- needless to say, even if it didn't, like that guy would have just been like, "You're out." Like, I don't care how long you've been living here, you're out. Like, why did you flood your bathroom? <laughs> and where did all that water go? It just kind of like sh- slooped out of the room when he opened the door, and then it was just like, "Oh, your apartment's back to normal. It's fine." Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, these are things I was like, oh, "Okay, like you're going to do this. Like, it's cool." And he also kind of alluded to doing that as. In, right in the beginning of the movie when he starts it and she kind of flips down so i was like oh yeah i wonder if that's gonna happen and the yeah the opening scene is gorgeous yeah like the entire like the dream sequence where the whole apartment's flooded oh, oh man so good i wonder how they filmed that that's that's nuts but uh yeah no beyond like i mean a lot of these things like i was saying are kind of nitpicky um and the fact that it is sort of like a fairy tale story does kind of explain that away and i'm perfectly fine with it you know i couldn't i don't think i could be happier with this film um, the only other thing I had was the fact that the cat gets eaten. <laughs> I saw that coming from a mile away, but when it did happen, I was like, Oh no. <laughs> but bad. then the fact it's kind of great that the, he has these cats with these wonderful names and he's so quick. Giles is so quick to just be like, no, it's so funny. He's an animal. He doesn't understand. Like that's, you know, it's perfectly fine. And that's like, it sort of, uh, even though it's a terrible moment, it sort of feeds into this great moment, like a scene later where it's like, you know, this understanding uh, between these two people where, you know, it furthers their, their friendship, their relationship, their connection. And that's really yeah. great. But, um, I, oh, I hope that there were no cats that were actually eaten during the filming of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like, you know, you, you really call out a good point. I really like the fact that in the moment of there's like a violence, there's a horrible thing that just happened to your cat that you like live with and you like love during this like horrible moment. Like, you may freak out. You're like, it's, it, it's really, and then he, he like comes to, he's like, it's not your fault. Like, it's, you're a baby. You're an animal. Like, you're why, like, that's not your fault. Like, and he, he kind of yeah. goes to, he kind of get injured. And he kind of understands kind of immediately. And, and I really, I really like that because the moment that it could have been, like, he could have attacked him, kind of kicked him out, you know, told him to like run away, you know, there's a lot of other ways that that could have been like resolved, and I'm really glad they went to it of like the more accepting the the acceptance approach. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was a really kind of effective way just to kind of tell you like this is the kind of movie that uh, we're we're showing you here. I thought that was pretty cool. But fair warning to to cat people, the cat ladies of the world, and the cat men of the world out there. This might, this movie might not be for you because there is cat violence in this film. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it was, that was that was pretty rough. I did not. I I I guess I didn't see that quite coming. But I don't know what else he eats besides eggs. So they said he needs to have a high protein diet. Yeah. Um, as soon as they said that, I was like, "Ooh, those cats! Oh, <laughs> cats are full of protein." <laughs> cats are full of protein. All right. Uh, what else you got? Uh, that for the most part wraps up my uh, my uh, my criticisms um what do you got warren uh yeah i I have a couple of glaring things um but you know i'm also going to be probably kind of mixing in other things that i did like i know one thing that we didn't mention uh you kind of alluded to but when i'm glad that giles at least 
he goes like they have this like really great oh that's another thing that was great it was the key lime pie that they were eating i knew that was oh, yeah. <laughs> and also the use of food right and the use of food as using of connection he would go and get this key lime pie and clearly he's done this like t- every day at the same time because he has this really crush and he like really likes his guy and they have this kind of moment um I wasn't too sure. I think there was a bit too much on the nose, and I think it could have been a bit more just kind of implied of this is who he is. Um, and he's just like, that guy is just a shitty person. But to the fact that he goes and he actually meets him in person, they're talking, they have a kind of good time. Uh, and then he goes for an advance. He's like, what, what, what? And then there's a moment that happens right then that he's like, what are you doing? Like, I think you're like, I think you need to leave. And then you have the bl- uh, the two uh, black couple comes in, and he just basically kicks them out. And I'm like, that's too much. An- there's too much negativity and animosity in that, w- that that section. It should be like kind of one or the other. Um, and th- he kind of kind of put it together to say, like, oh, this guy's an immediate shitty person, not only for not ex- not accepting homosexuality, but not accepting kind of black people. And so I was kind of hoping that that like, you're making a bit more subtle um one of them it, it, like either one like you can feel free to kind of blow up on the, one of the other cases but like at least kind of make it subtle because we've seen we were in that restaurant before and there were no black people there so we can also kind of keep like that could be like a key that we can necessarily see or kind of show me um that so that was one thing that i was just like ah you know the other thing that I, and i start seeing this in a lot of movies too of they're in like a secured facility that people have to punch in and punch out and you have like all these things that you have to kind of follow and even if they are janitorial sort of staff like they still have to follow protocols at certain times how the hell did nobody see eliza do all this stuff (laughs) and they had cameras they they had cameras they have cameras everywhere we're also we we were shown the cameras after everything as a plot device to use the cameras to kind of sneak out you know, but I'm sitting there. I'm like, she went there with all this food. Had a record player. Was playing music. <laughs> and sometimes she didn't even have her cart, or she left her cart outside. You know, and they were just like, man, I know that we want to get her there. You want to get to those scenes, but there's you, you gotta make sure you tie those thin things in. Like, there's a reason. There there has to be a need. Like, right? Like, why does she keep going into there? Because she doesn't clean up blood all the time. So why does she need to kind of keep going in there? Maybe she's delivering something that's on her main route. Why is it only her? Why is it not her and Zelda? You know, like these are the kind of the questions that I was like, man, how does she keep fucking getting in there? Like that, what's what's happening? You know, uh, so I had a bit of an issue uh, with that. Did you notice that? Yeah, it was it was partially like it's almost like okay, so you're the you're the janitorial service at the Men in Black's headquarters, and you have like unlimited access even though you don't need it. But at the same time, there was sort of that side thing where the, the, the Russian spy doctor kind of knew that she was doing that, and he kind of wanted her to progress the communication. Like, he kind of wanted her to test the amphibian man over and over again and see how the relationship develops. But meanwhile, like, Michael Shannon's character, who would have been, yeah, I think that's the thing, is, like, Michael Shannon's character would have been, like, upper ass about it. Yeah. Would have been, like, what are you doing in here? Like, what's this all? Like, he would have seen that, yeah. you know? But then further... You know, when it's revealed that the um, the guys who are chilling out on the loading dock and they're just like, oh, yeah, we smoke out here all the time. We just move the camera. 
it sort of gives like a hint that maybe the security isn't up to snuff there. True. So that sort of covers that for me, but I could see why it is kind of bothersome. It's like, yeah, these two unassuming, but maybe that's, that's it too, is maybe they're so totally unassuming that the people there are just like, Oh, they're just janitors. What are they going to do? Yeah. I mean, and they, and they also talked about it because like, uh, I think they mentioned the fact that women in the, in the cleaning staff are not looked at at all. And they're just invisible. Um, because we only get we only get introduced to two, and there's how many that's there, and besides the one that's like you did it again, and she's like yelling back at her. <laughs> yeah. So like well, that's it comes back to when um, uh, further along in the movie when Michael Shannon's like interviewing everybody, I think after the heist, and he gets upset with them because they both like kind of stone face him, and he's just like, oh, why do I need the the piss cleaners, the shit cleaners, and then like he kind of makes that he's like, yeah, you're right, you guys don't know anything, you don't do anything, you're dumb. And then Zelda, I think, delivers the line later on when she's just like, when he figures it out, and he's like, yeah, it's the shit cleaners. <laughs> kind of like r- rubbing it in his face. Yeah, oh, that, that, I, I like that callback. Uh, I, I guess the one thing that I would like, there either A, needs to be a need, or B, the Russian doctor, um, his name was not Boris. Crap, what was his name? Dostoevsky. No, what's his first name? <laughs> He, he says his first name. I'll, I'll think of it. But like he, like he, he. If they were, if they were something that you can show me that this is how he's covering up her tracks, like I think that would be pretty cool. It, because like if you can just show me him actively being there, actively moving the cameras, or actively deleting the footage, or something he's actively doing like on the side as he's like slowly kind of cleaning yeah. up her tracks of her just kind of doing this so that a she doesn't get caught b he still gets the same sort of interaction that he needs to progress it and then c that's where the actual like there's there's tension there like she knows what she's doing is wrong but i felt like she was going into it knowing that she's doing something wrong but there's no consequence and then to the point where she has to break him out then that's when it gets bad but like whoa, whoa, whoa you already broke protocol like 16 steps ago let's let's let's, let's talk about that um, so didn't, like I said, these are all these like kind of criticisms or just things that I noticed about the movie. Uh, I think it could have been like cleaned up a, a bit easier, but you know, it wasn't too terrible. Um, <clears throat> I think that also goes into the commentation of women in this world. Like you have one woman who doesn't even speak and the other woman who can speak and like interprets for her is treated like shit. So like this is this the society of like men kind of ruling, like that's just an actual thing. Even Zelda's, uh, husband was just like why even show him like <laughs> it was to the point where like i sat there and i was like what why why is he even there he was literally just there yeah to deliver that line be the scapegoat like yeah. ruin the plan yeah. like that's all he said yeah so i was like there could have been another kind of craftier or a, a better way also like the other thing i was just kind of thinking of is how the hell did he know where they live like did he go? Oh, yeah. He showed up there real quick. <laughs> did he already? Did he already memorize it? Like maybe have her files open? Like oh yeah, some of the things you know. But you know, it Google Maps so quickly. Oh, Google Maps, of course. Of yeah, course. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I do like though that the one thing we didn't notice is the mention of the car and uh, the salesman of the car, and he bought the car, and it just gets fucked up in the end. You know, <laughs> that was a great moment. But you know, the other color, the car of the co- the color of the car, green. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, and then, so the other, like, I guess the other thing that I was kind of bummed about is we learn a lot about these side characters and we really, like, we go on a, a bit of a journey with Giles and we go on a journey with 
the Doctor. We go on a bit of a journey with Zelda's character a little bit. We see Zelda kind of covering for um, Liza, like punching her in and out and stuff like that. But I just feel like none of those were kind of resolved. This is one of the things that I was kind of talking about of, you know, we talked about Giles. We talked about that he, he goes up and he com- he confronts the guy and finds that the guy's a kind of a racist and he's like kind of a homophobic, like, just the shittiest person ever. But then, you know, it, does he still does, does his work? I see that he was painting, he was like drawing pictures of the amphibious man and like doing that. But like, is he going to continue to do that? Like there's like his cat did die. Like what's going on? Is his hair going to continue to keep growing back? Like there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that I would have liked about that. The doctor character, did he die? I can't remember. I don't know if if he actually. I know he got shot. He got shot, and he, I thought he just like literally left him after he interrogated him. Yeah, I don't think he kills him. He just like fingers his bullet holes and like Ooh, tortures no. him. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, but did he? Does he die? Did, we didn't see him after. I assume that he died, but I'm not sure. Um, and I think it's also uh, uh, the other thing that I'm thinking about is like you know we see a bit more of like the the reason why. You know, Michael Shannon's character stop was Zelda had called the police to meet them exactly at the docks at the time. And I'm like, how did she call the police and get there that fast? Like, what's, what's, yeah, yeah, you know, but this is just like nitpicks and kind of some of the continuity stuff, uh, you know, but, you know, overall, I thought it was awesome. You know, like this movie was pretty cool. We can definitely kind of keep unpacking as much as possible. Like the, there's not a lot of criticisms that I have about this movie. There was just the, the biggest thing, right? That the reason why that this relationship had to go, I just felt like there was a lot of stuff that could have been, that could have been a little bit clearer, a little bit easier. Um, but I, I love the fact that the introduction of it, because I didn't know, I knew kind of sort of, there was like a, like a, a amphibious character or something. Right. But, with the interaction, like, we see Michael Shannon characters once, and he's, like, kind of weird, and he also has, like, one of the creepiest lines ever of, oh, I washed my hands before, but definitely not after. And shows weakness. It shows weakness. Yeah. I was like, nah, He's man. so creepy. Yeah, he's so, so creepy. So weird. Um, but I thought that was a pretty cool line. That I, I thought it was, like, lined especially to show how much of a creep that he is. Uh, but then the next time we see him, he's completely weak and he's like, ha- he's missing two fingers and blood's everywhere. And I'm like, what the fingers <laughs> jumping around? So, you know, overall, like I was uh, pretty excited and uh, still excited about this movie. Well, I think I think you made a good point and we've both called it out a couple times is the fact that um, the amphibious man touches Giles' head and causes his hair to grow. So I think... Uh, and let me pitch this idea, but I think Guillermo del Toro's next movie should be about, uh, like the man with the hair that won't stop growing. We can, we can shop a better title, but I think it would be great if he just has hair that grows out of control and it's like taking over the world and, um, it'll be, it'll be wonderful. There'll be all these, like, uh, these, uh, characters that interact and fall in love and fall out of love. And there'll be a, a terrible hairdresser guy who's the villain and, you know, Giles just wants love, but he's covered in fifty foot long hair. I think it could work. I mean, I don't mind. I yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it could be in the modern day Rapunzel. Who knows? Yeah, know. yeah. Or Adventures of Adventures of Russian Doctor. He's still he's still shot. He's still bleeding, but he's in the witness protection program now. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would be, be hilarious. Um, yeah. So 
let's go into like our kind of a lasting thoughts. And so what are some things, some lasting thoughts, some overall kind of feelings you have about this movie? Would you recommend watching this movie and kind of going from that? Yeah, I would. Um, I mean, I would definitely recommend uh, folks watch this movie because um, monster movies like this don't come along very often. Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter that, you know, Universal is trying to repitch their classic monsters and they're doing a terrible job, you know, vis-a-vis Tom Cruise's mummy disaster, which I haven't seen, but I heard was hot garbage. Um, and even the one before that, whatever it was, but this in my, in my, um, opinion would be a great installment as the creature from the black lagoon. Like it's, you know, it's, it has its moments where it is scary. The monster's not scary. Um, situation scary. The monster's amazing. Um, you know, it's a it's a very heartfelt movie, but it is a very intense movie at times. Um, and it is a weirdly good holiday movie, I feel like. It's a good movie to have been released around the holidays. Um, yeah. So if you are a fan of any of Guillermo del Toro's previous movies, uh, definitely go to check this one out. If you've never seen any of his movies, definitely go check this one out. It'll give you a good feel for his other movies. If you do like it, there's a whole bunch of them you can go back and check out. Um, so yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend this movie um, to folks and definitely check it out in theaters because it is beautiful. You're beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I completely disagree. Uh, excuse me. I completely agree. My bad. Uh, with, <laughs> what you, with what you said. And the one thing that I was just thinking is, you know, you said something about being scary. Like the scariest part of these people were the like the people, the the American and the Russian people. Like the scariest part were people in this movie and how much humanity at that time and arguably right now, but humanity sucks, you know, and the time that they're living in right now is absolutely terrible. And like, they are surrounded by like a lot of shitty people, but they still have hope. Uh, and they still are doing the things that they know that they're right. And I think that's a very important message of no matter how bad it necessarily gets of what you're trying to do and what you're arguably trying to do may not be, best for your society like your situation or what's going to be happening is maybe against the status quo like if that's something that you believe in in that time like keep at it like because that's you know love is something that's, that's very rare and especially with you talking about these th- these people that are completely on two different sides i think that's pretty cool to see um i love this movie i i have really enjoyed it i'm excited to kind of really unpack this again and kind of watch it again i've listened to the soundtrack one too many times but i'm going to probably listen to it again tomorrow um I definitely would recommend it just for the fact that, you know, just go out, like go to with the open mind, just kind of explore this, like, this is a matter of fact, like this is a story that we're just kind of like he is trying to tell. Um, and it's just definitely telling a lot of things in a new way. I would love if they would redo, um, all of their monster movies kind of like this, you know, I think it'd be pretty cool. Like I was even thinking about like, Oh, maybe this is like a prequel to something else or like a, post after or something like that right um and i think that'd be kind of pretty a pretty cool sort of moment but i really like the movie um i really like like the characters the acting just just about everything especially the there was a lot of stuff that, like I, I really enjoy sort of like the Mad Men and like the the art that uh giles was drawing and he had like this stereotypical sort of family and i think one of the things that he was like well the, the family needs to be happier he's like 
how that's 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 in he was like that's not realistic like that's not like a real sort of family and you know i think that was also a really just a really important line there's like a lot of stuff there's a lot of small like easter eggs you can unpack in this movie and so definitely when i watch it again i want to hopefully come back to it to talk about it more it is it is definitely like a great like it's an escapist film but it's also like you were saying the scariest parts in this movie are like the realistic parts, the parts that are going for realism, like the cold war spy drama, like yeah. the, the men in black, like the, you know, the Americans for America bullshit that kind of goes down. It's like, well, Hey, you know, but what's going on today. So yeah. And with that, we need more fish people. We need more fish people with that. We are the down in front podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us uh, for reviewing the shape of water by director Guillermo del Toro. I know it's still in theaters, but it, Probably not going to be in theaters that much longer. Um, it's definitely a more smaller scale, definitely more smaller budget than all the movies, that's, majority of the movies coming out. Uh, but if you do get a chance to kind of watch this, I'm, I'm interested to see if this is a movie that's going to pop up on like Amazon Prime a couple months from now. Or uh, the, like, I, I would really want this movie and especially kind of Lady Bird that I was talking about. I really want to make sure that people get the chance to kind of watch these movies. Um, just because it, it definitely just gives you a different feel. Like, not every movie has to be a, a rom-com, you know, or not every movie has to be a, uh, a Star Wars or, like, a, like a sci-fi movie. Like, there's this is a sci- which, like, this is kind of a sci-fi movie, but also a rom-com, but not, you know? It, it's, like, a weird sort of, like, in, in between, like, in the middle. Um, Cyrom? Kind of, Cyrom. Ooh. I think, you, I, think, I think you may have gotten it. I think you may have gotten it. Andrew Abbott, where can we find more of your work? Uh, I am all over the internet. You can't spit without hitting me. If you look up the abs man, uh, not to be confused with the ass man. So when Google tells you, did you mean this? Do not click that. Uh, that is not me. That's not my butt out there on the internet. So I'm around. You can also find me on past episodes of Fear Boner. Uh, and also, damn, Don Claude Van Damme episode um, upcoming. I'll be very excited if we do that. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And with uh, that, we are the Down in Front Podcast, the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. Please go take a look at that. We've been putting up a lot of different content in a lot of different areas. Uh, the one thing we want to kind of highlight out for that is we are on Spotify now. So that's amazing. Please go follow us. Uh, definitely kind of let us know. Kinda that's an easier platform to kind of share, especially I know I've been starting to listen to more and more podcasts on that platform. But, you know, we have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. We have an email down from podcast at gmail.com for everybody who wants to actually kind of support us and kind of kind of donate. We do have a Patreon, so all that information is typically under downinfrontpodcast.com. Uh, also, Arizona Ice Tea, I'm still coming after you. Please, please donate to us because we want to make sure that we get nice and famous because uh, that will be amazing. Um, and for that, you know, we'll say so long, farewell, Avita say good wine. See how I did there? Good wine. <laughs> good wine. Good cold medicine. Good cold medicine. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey.